With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, 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 what's going on, Destination Debbie fam? You know who it is, man. I appreciate y'all rocking with me. Thank you for all the feedback, checking out the content over the past couple of days. But we've we finally had some time to breathe and relax just a little bit, just a little bit from the draft. And now that the dust has settled, let's kind of talk about these landing spots, right? Because there's a lot of conversation going on about you know, who landed in a favorable spot. And I'm not talking about Clyde and JT. We know those guys landed in really good spots, but there's some other players, wide receivers, tight ends, uh, uh, running backs, quarterbacks. And it not only affects those individual players, but some of the veterans that are on that team already. You know, I think of, you know, right off the top of my head, the Green Bay Packers and things like that. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Y'all hear from me all the time. I'm very excited today because this gentleman, my brother from another mother right down the street, repping Texas. Texas is in the house today, man. Texas is in the house. Derek Brown, man, he knows his stuff. Fantasy writer, author. You can find him all over the place. If you don't know who he is, make sure you check him out on Twitter. Derek, tell the people who you are and where they can find you at, man. Ray, what is going on, man? It's been a long time coming, dude. We got to chop this up. It's going to be fun tonight, man. I'm still on draft high. I don't know about you, but I'm living it, man. (laughs) I mean, that's all we had to focus on for weeks and days. And I mean, it it felt like it was like Christmas. Like it came and went so fast. My head's still spinning, but Nah, man, I, y'all can find all my content right now, at least. I'm living the free agent life. I'm on Twitter at Debro underscore FFB. Past that, man. I mean, I'm out here, man. I'm yeah. living this pod game life. I mean, you know, <laughs> anywhere, everywhere, I'm like you. I'm uh, anywhere that let me talk. 
and people will listen, shit, I'm all for it. All right, man. Well, let's uh, let's let's get into it, man. And you know the 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 immediate reaction from the draft, the immediate buzz and the hysteria. And again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but Ceh in Kansas City dynasty. Where are you at with this guy? Because for me, right now, I, I am really, I'm having a tough time. I'm having a tough time because. I know the landing spot is, we talked about it for a year, right? A year and a half, two years. Whatever running back lands in KC, they are RB1. Whoever it is, we didn't give a shit if it was Michael P. Ryan, he was going to skyrocket. His ADP was going up. He probably would have been one, but his ADP would have risen. So when you get a talented running back and you're rocking the LSU, you're rocking the LSU uh, quarter zip right now, man. Just quick thoughts on CEH in Kansas City. This was dream landing spot, Ray. I mean, you couldn't have drawn this up any better. Like, we had all this, like, long history of Andy Reid, like, never taking a running back in the first round. And boom! Like, all your draft props, everything was out the window, baby. Like, it's crazy! The dream, we're living it, man. Like, that is exactly what we wanted to. Angle routes for days. And CEH is going to eat, man. I'm not, I'm not here for all this, like, Damian Williams is still going to be a thing. You don't spend a first-round pick on this dude to sit here and not feed him. I mean, we've seen all the videos. We've seen all the hype. It's real. Like, that is yeah. a legit thing. CEH is, he needs to be, like, he was in my top three. He was my RB2 coming into the draft. There's no way in this prime landing spot with first-round capital tied to him and fresh legs, he's not my RB1. Like, there's just no way, baby. So if if I want to play devil's advocate, right, if I want to play devil's mm-hmm. advocate, okay, so because CEH, I loved him. I mean, and, and I was somebody who said at the beginning of the college football season, I thought he was going to be replaced by John Emery Jr. by week five. Big time miss. And a lot of people did. You know, his his in the Debbie world, I've never seen a player's value tank faster than John Emery Jr. But CEH came out there. He balled over 1,400 rushing yards. We know all the stats. But Jonathan Taylor, man, landing behind, in, in, in an offense led by Quentin Nelson, uh, that offensive line. We saw Marlon Mack go for over 1,000 yards, and I felt like he played like six games. Um, you know, but, but I'm with you. CH is my RB1, but just for those people out there who have JT, who had JT pre-draft as one, and they're still holding true to that, I mean, what are your thoughts about Jonathan Taylor and Indy? I love the landing spot and, and I hear it and you see it in the streets. People talk about Mac still going to be a thing. Again, you don't see a team spend top of the second capital and Mac is going into a contract year. Yeah. They're going to split time between these two running backs and he's going into free agency. So what he like has a better shot at getting a contract from you. It's not going to happen. Like they, they paid up. They're going to, they selected him. They're going to feed Taylor. We know that's going to happen. Anybody that thinks differently, I'm sorry. Like, that is – it is what it is. And the only differing factor for me between the two running backs, I'm all with Taylor. And I think if you got one of those top two picks in any kind of rookie draft you got, you really can't go wrong. Like, whoever you pick, whichever decision you make, you can't screw that up as long as you take one of those two guys. Like, seriously. It's almost like – it it seems like if if you have – Spread across, I'm in a ton of fucking leagues, a ton of mm-hmm. leagues. And Same. it almost feels like 
I just want to diversify, right? I want to get some CEH here. I want to get a little JT there. Um, It's crazy because going into this process, we were hoping that three of these running backs landed in a good situation, right? We were like, man, whichever one's landing in these good situations, that's going to be the RB1 or they're going to elevate up the board. But man, dude, like damn near all of them landed in pretty good all the relevant ones right they I can tell you five guys off the top of my head right now that landed in spots where I'm just like give me all that action like I'm all here for it who are those those five for you Clyde Taylor Mm -hmm. Akers Keyshawn Vaughn and I'm blanking on my fourth I'm or my fifth um I think J.K. Dobbins landed. Yes, Dobbins. That's it. Uh, It's uh, it's those top five, man. And they all landed in prime spots. Like they're, they're all going to be the guys like Tampa didn't take Keyshawn Vaughn in the top three rounds for Rojo to still be a thing. He couldn't even beat out Peyton Barber. And for everybody that's talking about all this Cam Akers fade, what are you smoking? Because you need to share it with me, man. Like, like that is just absolutely crazy to me. Okay, so we're going to stay on the running backs because my, my, my followers, the subscribers on YouTube, they're ruthless. They want us to stay on, on one thing, and then we'll switch to wide receivers. So I'm glad we popped it off with the running backs. Now, you, you talked about Akers, and I'm saving him just a little bit. We're going to save Akers. I see you got a, a, a Cam Akers goat head up there. Um, yep. but, but you're right. Like, all these guys landed in good situations, which – you know, I, I have been telling people for months, buy seconds, buy seconds, because with those seconds, you can use that in Dynasty Rookie Drafts to move up to the 108 to the 107. I mean, picks 110 are valuable. You know what I mean? It's, it's we could not have envisioned, or we could not have imagined these landing spots playing out for all of these running backs, man. I, I, I just think it's really going to come down to to your flavor, whatever your personal preference is, because like you said, CEH, I mean, the best offense. I mean, you got the MVP is a former MVP at quarterback, probably the best young quarterback in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes, Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis is a competent organization who built inside out. So he's going to have plenty of running lanes. JK Dobbins. I think that when it's all said and done, if we're talking about J.K. Dobbins being the running back one in two or three years in Dynasty, it would not shock me. He ran RPO at Ohio State. And who does he get in the NFL? The best RPO dual threat quarterback in the NFL in Lamar Jackson. So Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards, freaking fullback Gus Edwards had 700 rushing yards last year, damn near. Or, or he hit 700. You're telling me that I, I just... People who are fading J.K. Dobbins right now, I think it's a massive, massive mistake. Like, I, I don't have him RB1. I don't have him two, but I, I, I believe I have him three. Hell, I probably have him four. I don't know, but I like J.K. Dobbins' landing spot a ton. And two or three years from now, if we're talking about him being the best running back in, in, in fantasy, it wouldn't shock me. My only reservation is he's probably not going to catch a lot of passes in that offense. I just don't know how many, and not because Dobbins can't catch passes because he's very good at that at Ohio State, but when you've got a mobile quarterback like Lamar, I just don't know how often he's going to check down to the running back. You'd like to see him develop that in his game this year, but what are your thoughts on J.K. in Baltimore? I love the landing spot because you know that he, from from the start, he's going to get 10 to 12 touches per game just as the 1B. Like, that's what's going to happen. 
I love him. I'm curious as to what Baltimore does after this year. Like, do they stay with this kind of committee split backfield situation? Do they draft another guy to, to slide in behind J.K. Dobbins? Because I think he's going to be the one B to Ingram unless Ingram just, you know, goes out right. in the middle of the year or something like that. I love J.K., but like you're talking about with Lamar, the check darts aren't going to be there. We saw Ingram have a good year in the passing game, but that was a lot of touchdowns, man. It wasn't because yeah. of volume. It wasn't because – he was just hyper efficient, which he's always been. But I mean, I love J.K. Dobbins. I think like Baltimore is going to do one thing, and we know that moving forward, they're not going to stop running the ball. They're not going to just alter into this top five passing attempt offense in the yeah. NFL. That's not going to happen. So if they're going to run the ball, it's just a question of how much with Dobbins and how much passing game work he gets. Yeah, I think what's this is uh, I have no insight clearly, but I think what's going to happen is they move on from Mark Ingram after this coming season. They do have mm-hmm. Justice Hill, who's sort of that, you know, he's not a feature back, but he could be that, you know, that spell back for uh, J.K. Dobbins. And then they just find another guy. But I, I do think that he's but even this year, even if he's again, if Gus Edwards is able to pull off 700 yards, you're telling me that a rookie back who's not the starter, he rushes for 700 yards. That's a failure. That's a win, man. And I think it's just, it's going to be wheels up for Dobbins in 2021. And they're still, that offense is still developing. They still, you got Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. I think it's an ascending offense. And then like you said, they're going to run the ball. Like we know that's going to happen. So love that landing spot. And, and, you know, we're talking about the top guys, right? I even think deeper, DB. I think even deeper when you're talking about Darrington Evans behind Derrick Henry. When even in the seventh, I know it's late. He almost went undrafted. But Eno Benjamin falling to Arizona in the seventh round, you know, regardless of what we think of the player, I mean, the only competition ahead of him right now, Kenyon Drake, who's who got his uh, 10-year franchise, whatever they did with him. So he's on a one-year deal. We'll see if they sign him long-term. You've got Chase Edmonds. And then, you know, you know, Benjamin's there. He's from Arizona. So it's just, I think there are a lot of good, you know, I'm not the biggest Zach Moss fan. I thought that was okay for him to land in Buffalo. He replaces Frank Gore. Clearly, it seems like Buffalo does not want to give Devin Singletary that bell cow role. I just think that overall, a lot of these running backs landed in really, really good situations, man. Oh, absolutely. And and really, what do you need? You need top four round equity to really like possibly carve yourself. Like we're talking about Marlon Mack earlier. If you get into that top four rounds, you got a chance if everything falls your way with enough equity to be the guy for multiple years. So you're talking about deeper. Michael P. Ryan landed with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Do we really think that Le'Veon's not going to be gone after this year? <laughs> Dude's 28 anyway. Yeah. P. Ryan's not an amazing talent, but could he be the guy walking into next year? Like, even if Gay stays around, and God, I hope he doesn't, but if he stays around, they talked about not wanting to pay running backs. Like, Gase was super ticked off that they end up doing that and not going the Tevin Coleman route. Can we really not envision a way like you, you're you're burning what a third round pick in dynasty rookie drafts yeah. where Michael P Ryan if if Bell goes out he's not the guy walking in it, you don't have to squint like Jameis Winston to see that for next year <laughs> like that doesn't have to happen and for all the things about Darrington Evans dude you know I love the guy I love his talent I think the landing spot is sneaky sneaky good like yeah. he had top three round capital. We heard about it before the draft. It happened in it the happened. draft. It happened. Henry is on a franchise tag, which I don't know about you, like off the top of my head, like has he even signed that thing yet? 
And if he holds out, if that doesn't happen, like, or he goes out because he got run into the ground last year, Darrington Evans would be the guy there, would be the guy. Who is going to steal work from him? Who? Yeah, I don't even... I don't even know who the third back is. I know Deion Lewis is gone and that's an immediate upgrade over Deion Lewis. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and I've talked about Darrington Evans. I had him my RB nine pre-draft, you know, and in the buzz was he was going to go by day two and damn it. He went day two. And like you said, with that equity and, and here's the thing though, even if Henry plays, we've seen Tennessee not have a commitment to give him work in the passing game. That's Darrington Evans' role. That's, I mean, that's at least at minimum, that's what he's doing from day one at the next level. Injury, holdout, whatever the case may be. He came in over 200 pounds. I mean, this guy can carry the ball and he's talented. He's a completely different runner than Derrick Henry, okay? He's not a 250-pound sledgehammer, so he's not going to be doing King Henry stuff out there, but I'm with you. I think it's a sneaky landing spot for Darrington Evans, but let's talk about Two players, two players, one who was very polarizing pre-draft and then one who was like a consensus lock RB1, RB2. And let's 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 go with DeAndre Swift. Let's start with Swift, right? Because a lot of people hate the landing spot. Absolutely hate it. When he was initially drafted, I didn't like it either. I was like, not because of Karrion Johnson, but more so because of Matt Patricia and his commitment or lack thereof to give Karrion Johnson uh, the work, right? And then you got to look at where Matt Patricia came from, New England, that you know consistently uses the committee out of the backfield. So mm-hmm. I don't think Karrion Johnson is going away. Not this year. I, I don't think he's going to be relegated to the bench. I fully anticipate a split backfield timeshare, whether that's 60-40, 70-30. He's going to get work. But DeAndre Swift is very talented, man. Like, are we really going to fade Swift? I mean, he's going back into the first round in Dynasty rookie drafts. I mean, is that is that crazy? Where are you at with Swift? He's still a top five running back for me. I think um... – He's slotted in as my RB5 post-draft. I still like him. I have no qualms if people want to take him in the top five picks of a draft. I'm not as low in the landing spot because you have a good offense. You have an immobile quarterback in Stafford, so he's going to check the ball down. We've seen him feed running backs in the passing game, a la Theo Riddick. And if Swift is going to make his hay in the passing game, that's what he does, man. Like I was lower on Swift coming into the draft because – a lot of people had him as his R, as their RB1, and I wasn't there. Like, he was my RB4 pre-draft, okay. and he slid to my RB5 just because I think Do- – I like Dobbins' landing spot a little bit more. And Swift, for me, I still like him, and I have no qualms with anybody like him. I'm not fading him, and I get all the, the running back by committee stuff, but can we still not envision – like, he's going to get 12 to 15 touches. Do we, are we, is anybody talking about he's going to get less than that? And if he's efficient with those touches and it's a good offense and you have a quarterback that's willing to check down because he sure as heck is not going to run and he's coming off injuries. So if we're talking about he's more likely to check down and take the outs, yeah, I like Swift. And I have no problems anybody – like he's not going to leave my RB – like my top five. That's not going to happen. For as much hype and as much as I love Keyshawn Vaughn's landing spot – I can't put Vaughn above Swift. There's just no yeah. way. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, when you're talking about that passing and work, I don't I don't know. Somebody has done the data or the, the metrics or the analytics. Mm-hmm. I, that's not my forte about how much more valuable a, a target is opposed to a carry and a reception opposed to a carry. So if he gets let's go on the low end, 12 touches a game, but five of those are receptions. I mean, he's got a good chance to score, you know, to be a useful fantasy asset this season, even in a committee backfield. So I'm with you. Um, I've got Swift. I don't know where I have him. I did a show the other day. I'm probably lying to y'all. I know y'all let me know. I think he's three or four or five. He's one of, he's, he's in one of those spots. I don't know which one it is, D. But let's talk about, let's talk about Cam Akers. And I want to, I want to lead this off because coming into 2019, there was a tweet and we will not say this individual's name who said he had an undrafted free agent grade on Cam Akers. I admittedly was lower on Akers coming into 2019 based off of what I saw in 2018. Not because I didn't think the player was talented, but I had truly concerns. Truly, I was truly concerned about, and I said it, can a player be broken? I just thought that what Florida State surrounded him with like broke him in 2018. And, you know, we've seen players lose that confidence and they just fall off the face of the earth. So I really wanted to see Akers come back in 2019 and dominate. And he did that despite a very bad situation. Even through the pre-draft process, a fantastic combine, tested like the athlete that we thought he was with the high school pedigree. There were still people who didn't think he would get day two draft capital. Then he goes in the second round to the Los Angeles Rams, who just dumped Todd Gurley. I don't believe the Malcolm Brown hype. I never believed in the Daryl Henderson hype. He lands on a still, I don't care what their offensive line is ranked, it's still a good offense, right? They're in a division where teams are going to score points. Why is there so much concern over Cam Akers? Dude, I don't understand the fade. I can't really understand it. Like, right now up in Twitter, it's all groupthink, dude. Like, you see all this stuff and all this concern because what PFF has a a grade of 31 for their offensive line. Get out of here, man. Like, when you (laughs) dive into that a little bit more, they're 19th in adjusted line yards. How much context are we talking about with Todd Gurley running on 75-year-old knees that needs to be talked about, man? Nobody's throwing that out there. I haven't heard that. It's talking about, like, yes, the offensive line wasn't great. Were they bottom five in the NFL? No, they weren't. If you look at it, they got Gurley to the second level. They were 14th in the league. If we want to dive into this, Ray, like, legit – This is a middle-of-the-road offensive line with a good, good offensive line coach. Aaron Cromer is one of the best. That dude's been doing it for a long time, and he's been a lot of places, and we've seen offensive lines play better. He's been in L.A. I think this is going on third or fourth year. Out of his 13 years, eight years, he's had a top seven offensive run-blocking line. And that is long enough of a stretch. We could say that dude is a legit good coach. This line, I'm old enough to remember, and let's just go, let's, let's wind this back a little bit. Are you old enough to remember last year walking into the season when Arizona was supposedly not going to be able to run well because their offensive line was so damn bad? And now we're hearing all this stuff about Akers. I can't buy into it. It's absolute insanity when they had a, a back last year, had no lateral agility at all, turned from a stud into basically a north-south 
LeGarrette Blunt, Ben Jarvis Green, Ellis-looking dude, and was trying to run over people. And I'm not trying to hate on Todd Gurley, but it is what it is, man. That's what he was last year. He was not making dudes miss in the open field. He was running over guys or he was falling down and getting tackled. And so you bring in Akers and a team that I think really wants to spread it out again. They want to run more 11. I think that's what's going to happen. Because if you look at him, we're trying to read tea leaves on running backs. And I don't want to dive too much into wide receivers because we'll talk about this dude probably a little bit later. But you don't take Van Jefferson in the second freaking round if you're not going to throw him in the slot because we haven't seen him win outside a ton. And what are you going to do? You're going to go back to running 11. You're going to go back to spreading people out. You're going to let Akers play up and behind an offensive line that I think is not bottom of the league. I think it's middle of the road, and he's going to ball out. Gurley was a top 20 running back in fantasy last year behind this offensive line. How is Akers not a top 20 back? At his floor. At his floor, Ray. How is he not that? Because I'm don't come at me with Daryl Henderson. Nobody come at me with that. Don't come at me with Malcolm Brown. You. I'm with like, you. Yeah. Daryl Henderson couldn't even beat out Malcolm Brown last year. He couldn't run zone at all. Why is Daryl Henderson going to be a thing when they spent third-round capital on him last year and they paid more for Akers this year? And people are talking about Akers can't do it. Tell me why, besides his questionable vision, behind 115th, <laughs> the 15th worst offensive line that I've seen charted for the last two years. Why can't he do it? Somebody better come at me with a real argument because I haven't heard one yet. All right. I, I, I don't have much to add to that. And it was very well stated, man. And I'm, I'm with you. Like, he's younger. He's fresh. He's, you know, say what you want, but he's used to playing in bad offensive line situations. Listen, I'm not fading acres. I'm not even concerned. Like, I'm really not, man. And, you know, teams go through ebbs and flows, right? And the Rams, I'm very confident that Sean McVay is going to adjust and get back to what worked in 2018. And they still have Robert Woods and Cooper cup and Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett and say what you want about Jared Goff. He's a competent quarterback. I'm not saying he's some world beater, but he had a bad season last year or a down season last year. I'm not writing him off yet. I'm not saying he's he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's a hell of a lot better than James Blackman at Florida state. So I'm fully, I have full confidence in Cam Akers and his skill set. And like you said, if they were so confident in Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, they would not have spent a second. There Was it their first second round pick? Their first pick of the draft? First, first yeah, second round pick. Yeah, their, their first pick of the draft on Cam Akers. So the, the fade, the argument that their line is just so bad. And, you know, th- there's a draft next year and there's free agency, and they can acquire players, and there's a draft after that. So, you know, even two years down the line, Cam Akers is entering into his third year in the NFL. That's somebody that if you pass on him now, you will end up paying up 
you're going to get raked over the coals in the near future because he's a three down threat. He's a home run threat. And let me tell you what acres is going to do right away. He is going to be in there on third downs. And when Jared Goff needs that running back to help pass protect, he will have no issues with that because he is not afraid of contact and he will stick his nose in there and protect Goff. And what that does for everybody else, it elevates that passing game. So I think it was a home run pick. And, uh, you know, it, again, I can't reiterate it enough. I thought a lot of these running backs landed in fantastic situations and we're, we're not even going to dive, you know, super, super deep, but you know, AJ Dillon in green Bay, Aaron Jones. I don't know. I don't know Aaron Jones. I'm not the biggest AJ Dillon fan, but that kind of tells me I don't, Aaron Jones is a fifth round pick. He's a fifth round pick and he's coming up on a contract. Are they really going to extend him? I don't know, man. It seems like LaFleur is trying to, to get his own guys in there and uh, spending a second round pick on a on a big running back. That spells trouble for that entire backfield. So I, I kind of want to fade that one. Any quick thoughts on any other running backs that we didn't talk about that you might want to just hit on real quick before we dive into the wideouts? So going real deep, I'm really curious about Jamichael Hastie's landing spot in San Francisco. I kind of like it, Ray. He checks a lot of boxes. We've seen him be functional in the passing game. Dude's got four or five speed. He's short. He's compact. San Francisco didn't do anything to add to that room. Now, they added one of your boys, and they added one of mine, and Hasty in mm-hmm. UDFA world. And I like that landing spot for Hasty, man. Like, it, you don't have to sit here and look too hard. Like, Shandy's going to play whoever is good. Yeah, And Mostert played well last year. Tevin Coleman doesn't have a whole lot of equity behind him. There's not a third guy. Like, yeah, you could talk about Jared McKinnon, but I mean, until he's going to be like show that he can stay healthy, man, those last like picks of the draft when you're in those rookies, like you got those fifth rounders. Hasty is very, very intriguing to me. Yeah, he used to pop. He popped on on tape for Baylor when I watched them play. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's talk about the wide receivers because the landing spots there were quite interesting, and some wide receivers landed in prime spots to be the guy, and others kind of landed in some muddy situations. So I want to kick it off with uh, with the Denver Broncos. And I want to talk about Denver because uh, before the draft, everybody was just excited as hell about Cortland Sutton's ascension to that potentially that elite tier, right? He, he was that wide receiver that, you know, us, us dynasty gamers and fantasy owners, we were talking about, but the buzz was starting to grow and grow and grow. Then they go out and draft Jerry Judy, right? Like, okay, one of the top wide receivers in the 2020 class. Then they go out and draft KJ Hamler. <laughs> then they go out and draft Albert O. And now the complete ripple effect, and then they sign Melvin Gordon. They have yet to trade Royce Freeman. What are we doing in Denver? What are we doing with that offense? For me, I know who I believe the number one is, and I don't think it's even a question, but what are your thoughts on Jerry Judy landing in Denver and that offense as a whole? Man, I, I'm not going to fade Judy. I just okay. can't. He's a separator. I love him. I think that this is going to be a 1A, 1B situation. I think that they're going to compete with each other for targets and everybody else is going to fall behind that. I think that if you wanted to believe in Noah Fant, I think this seriously hurts him. I think he's the biggest loser in this situation. I still think Sutton and Judy are going to get theirs. 
Hamler is probably going to run out the slot. So uh, whether he's more of a situational deep threat and not like an every down guy, I mean, he spells the death of Deshaun Hamilton, but yeah, I, I, for me, I, I think it's Sutton and Judy and I think there's everybody else. So I'm not worried about Sutton and I'm not that worried about Judy either because we know that there's going to be volume in this offense. I think if you're worried about anybody and we were like hoping to take that second year leap was no offense. It's on life support right now for me, man. Like if I had no fan, I'd be shopping him everywhere. I had him. Yeah, I think that's the big loser. I think the big loser is unquestionably Noah Fant. And it's not just because they took wide receivers with first and second day draft capital. They took a freaking tight end. And the tight end that they took, Mm -hmm. it's crazy because we talked about how athletic Noah Fant was. I mean, he blew up the combine last year. Albert O dropped a 4-4 as well. You know what I mean? Like, he's an athletic field stretching tight end and then you still have Melvin Gordon, you know, whether he's going to be the pass catching back or that's Phillip Lindsay. My concern with Denver is not Jerry. It's not Cortland. It's not KJ Hamler. It's Drew Locke and how much pass volume that offense is going to have. I'm still trying to figure out, do they want to run the ball? Do they want to throw the ball a lot? I know they play in the AFC West, so it's one of those things where we have to score points to keep up with Kansas City. But is that really within Drew Locke's range of outcomes to be a, a quarterback in year two that's throwing the ball 35 times a game? I mean, is that something that's realistic for us to expect? Because if not, and he's a low volume passer, how uh, somebody's losing, you know, we're, we're not getting a top 12 tight end out of, I don't think at this stage of his career, Drew Locke is going to support a top 12 tight end and two top 12 or hell top 15 wide receivers. No, but so I was actually looking into Locke because as soon as they brought in Shermer, and there's a lot of parallels between Locke's skill set and Daniel Jones' skill set in terms of mobility. They do have the arm to sit here and stretch the field to throw deep. I actually think that Denver's going to chuck the ball, man. Like, I think okay. that that's going to happen because I, if you look back at Shermer's history, he likes to throw the ball. Like, it, the volume stats are there as far as his history as a coordinator, head coach. They've thrown the ball a good bit. And how much of that goes to the running backs? Eh, we saw Barkley's target share take a hit. Mm-hmm. Now, some of that was with, with Dimes. I mean, he has mobility, but so does Locke. Mm-hmm. Locke has that mobility. I think the guy is going to be there as Gordon, but, like, I don't think that they're going to be a run-first team. I really think that they're going to be throwing the ball, and I think there's going to be enough volume. Now, is Locke good enough to support two top 24 wide receivers? That I don't know. I don't know if he is good enough. Now, I think the volume is going to be there for them to possibly have two top 36 guys. Now, if they're two top 24 guys, that's the line that that it's going to come down to Drew Locke's talent. That's where I think we've got to draw the line. I think they're going to throw the ball, though. I really do, Ray. So no fade with Jerry Judy. Um, let's stay in the AFC West, man. Let's stay in the AFC West and talk about my uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, I day one, I was a little concerned. I was concerned. And then day two rolls around after we took Henry Ruggs and we land Lynn Bowden Jr. and Brian Edwards. And I really, really like what they did because what I think Henry Ruggs does is it elevates everybody's potential in that offense. 
Maybe not so much Henry Ruggs. I, I don't think that he is a consistent fantasy asset. Maybe in best ball, he's the type of receiver that you want. But I think his ability to stretch the field opens stuff up for Darren Waller. It opens stuff up for Hunter Renfro. It opens stuff up for Josh Jacobs. I also believe that by 2021, the wide receiver one for the Las Vegas Raiders will be Brian Edwards. I think he was a steal of the NFL draft Sorry. for an offensive skill set. No, I think he was the steal of, of the draft. I think he's going to be a steal in rookie drafts. I've seen him go as late as 210. If I'm getting Brian Edwards at 210, I am doing a fucking backflip, and I have no clue how to flip. I, I just think that was a home run selection, and I know a lot of people are concerned about Derek Carr. Whether you're concerned or not, this is the long game. This is for the long haul, so they're going to find a quarterback at some point if Derek Carr can't get it done. I, talk to me about about Ruggs, about uh, Edwards, and, and I think Bowden is going to be just like a gadget player. I don't, I don't know if he's ever going to be a consistent a fantasy producer, but he's a talented, fun player, probably better for the NFL than your fantasy lineups. But Ruggs, Edwards, where you at? I love Edwards, man. You're speaking my language right here. I, I absolutely love him. I feel like if we would have had a combine on him, he would have been in the same draft capital range as anywhere from Mayuk to Mims. I feel like that is a dude that could have he, – he went in the third round and we didn't have a combine on him, Ray. Yeah. Like, what does that tell you? Like, the Raiders had to have that dude high on their board. I don't know how many teams, because I don't have sources, I don't know how many teams had this dude high on their board, but it's got to tell you something. Like, he broke out super early. South Carolina is terrible. This guy (laughs) is legit. He would have been in the second round if he had testing numbers. That would have happened, and it would have been a thing. I absolutely think he could be the number one, and that's the one thing that I'm not – I get the draft capital. I understand the argument and people talking about it, like Ruggs went in the first round. I just can't pick him. I can't press that button, Ray. Like, it's not for me. Like, I have a hard time. There's not a way that I can envision Henry Ruggs turning into this high-volume wide receiver. That's what I don't see happening. And I can see that happening with Brian Edwards. Like you're talking about Lynn Bowden is awesome. Like he is a playmaker, legit, put the dude, like put the ball in his hands five to eight times a game. And you're going to see one just special, special play. Like you give him eight touches a game. Dude's going to rock. He's going to rip a 20 yard play. Like that's going to happen. But as far as like him being like this this long standing fantasy asset and Hunter Renfro, as much as the numbers support him being a thing, I I can't see that guy I've turning into I've a high it. volume player. Like I've he can't, man. I've said it. He, he, listen, he, if he's in that slot role, if he's in that, first of all, I don't think they're going to throw the ball enough for you know all of those guys to eat. But I think mm-hmm. I, I think it, my thing in dynasty and in fantasy is there are only twelve wide receiver ones. There are only you know what I mean. There are only twelve wide receiver twos. You need those consistent WR threes, those WR fours. I know it's not sexy during rookie draft season. I know it's not sexy during your startups, but things happen. Things happen and players get hurt. Inevitably, it happens every year. And a player like Renfro. I'm not saying you're drafting him with the expectation that you're getting Julian Edelman numbers, but 
you know, he did show an ability to break big plays, to be effective in that role. So I think he's a good bench stash for you to have. But the the, the 1A in Las Vegas is going to be Brian Edwards. I don't disagree with you at all. And and a little bit on more on Renfro. Could he luck into like this Adam Humphreys? And I know I'm drawing a really, really poor narrative, like white <laughs> slot wide receiver. Like yeah, I, I you get know it. I hate but, that, man. You know but, I hate that, man. But the thing is, is that like, could he garner enough volume to sneak in as a low wide receiver two in one of these years? Like if everybody else gets hurt. Yeah, I could see that happen. That's more of my point. But the guy that I think is going to be the volume guy moving forward, it's all Brian Edwards. Yeah. Like he could separate. Yeah. He's got the skill set. He can high point the ball. All he needs is just competent quarterback play. And I think yeah. Derek Carr is not great, but can we say that like this is the most weapons out of his entirety of his career? The most, not maybe the highest or the best because he had Cooper and Crabtree one year, but the most weapons that he's been surrounded by his entire time with the Raiders? I think so. Unquestioned, unquestionably. And, uh, you know, uh, another one of those offenses, and, and we're just rocking the AFC, that I thought there were a couple of winners, a couple of winners uh, with the landing spots is the New York Jets. And, you know, we're, I don't think there's anybody out there that is a fan of Adam Gase. There, I don't, I don't know. But I am very fair. And they had a very good draft, very smart moves that they made by taking Makai Becton, the big tackle. I think they drafted three offensive linemen, protect your 22 year old quarterback, which is blows my mind that Sam Darnold is still that young. And then you equip him with not only Bouchard Perryman and free agency, that field stretcher role, but you get him a number one in Denzel Mims. So I just kind of want to get your thoughts on Mims, because for me, I think that sooner rather than later in his rookie year, he will develop into that 1A uh, wide receiver for Sam Darnold, almost almost in the same light that A.J. Brown did last year. I'm not saying he's going to have similar production, but I, I really believe in the talent that is Denzel Mims. And there, what's his competition? Jamison Crowder, uh, Brashard Perryman, Robbie Anderson's gone. You've got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. Is it Ryan Griffin or Chris Herndon at tight end? What are your thoughts on Mims and in that landing spot in uh, New York? A lot of people are going to be thrown off just because it's the Jets and it leaves a nasty taste in your mouth. But I love Mims. I love the landing spot for him because there is a clear picture. You can see him as the alpha as early as this season or next season. They can cut Crowder and save $10 million next year. Perriman's on a one-year deal. Who else is going to be there to catch passes? I've been throwing it out there, Ray. Like, it will not shock me at all if Denzel Mims has a year like Terry McLaurin had, where it's just a bad offense, he gets fed targets, and he absolutely balls out. Like, that is the kind of year that I could see for Denzel Mims. And he's got the talent. He only The guy played 0.4% of his snaps in the slot. We know he can win outside. And for all the people that love Robbie Anderson, get out of here. Like, I'm not a Robbie guy. Like, I just, I'm not, man. He ran go routes. He's fast. I get it. The, the, The speed is sexy. But past that, the dude is not a complete wide receiver. I think Perriman's an upgrade over Robbie. I think Denzel Mims can be better than Perriman is. 
And I think Denzel Mims could be the one there as early as this year. And he's got the capital. If he slid, we saw him slide in the draft. Part of that happened because teams at the end of the first round that we that were rumored to possibly take him went other directions. The Packers fell asleep at the wheel and they didn't take him. Other teams went other directions or traded back. And he falls straight into the Jets' lap. And if you're Douglas, you got to be just like – at, like you can't like get that pick in any faster. Yeah, they didn't and screw I, it up, did they? They didn't screw no. it up. Yeah, they. That, that's why I said they had a competent draft. Yeah, I love it. I low key love that landing spot, and I've seen Mims fall to like the top of the second round in a lot of rookie drafts. That's auto pick territory. Like I will have all the Denzel Mims if he's top of the second. I got him in a, in a draft yesterday at two o two. Like, give me that all day, baby. Like I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have enough seconds because you've got players like Mims, Michael Pittman Jr., T, uh, T. Higgins. You know, uh, I'm Ooh, just we got to talk about Higgins, baby. We got to oh, talk about Higgins. Okay, okay, okay. So we got, we got, we got Claypool. We got Pittman. We got Mims. We covered Mims. We covered Edwards. Uh, let, let's dive into Higgins. And I was a Higgins fan all through the college season. I wanted to see him step up and be that 1A for Clemson because a lot of people talked about Justin Ross, but it was clearly T. Higgins. Doesn't do anything. I mean, doesn't do a combine, half-ass as a pro day, whatever, still goes top of the second, you know, you know, top of the second draft, uh, draft capital, landing in Cincinnati with your Joe Burrow. It is a clear message that he will replace A.J. Green after this season. I am all aboard T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, that wave. I love it. I want him. I think he's going to smash, and uh, I love him. What What are your thoughts on Higgins? I love Higgins, and it, 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 for me, it's not even so much like what you think about him because the fact of it is he was the first pick of the second round, the very first pick, and now he's tied for the next four years to Joe Burrow and a good offensive mind, and I do think Taylor is a good offensive mind. We saw that the, the Bengals were competent last year in spite of a lot of other circumstances. Their offensive line, like half of it died last year. They had other problems like on the defense and stuff. I think that that is a really, really good landing spot. Like people were fading him after his so-so combine and there were like talks of, you know, was he, he didn't test grade. What kind of prospect is he? And dude goes first pick of the second round yeah. to the Bengals. Like yeah. we're talking about Mims. T. Higgins could be the number one there next year. AJ Green is on a franchise tag. Tyler Boyd after this year, the Bengals can get out of that contract and save five million after this year. Jesus, you don't say that. Don't don't say that. I fucking love Tyler Boyd. Don't. I say love. That. No, I I think they keep him because they're not going to gut their entire wide receiver right, right. That's not going to happen. But as far as like. Does he have a path to be the number one there? It's there, Ray. Like, it's absolutely there. Because Green's gone. Boyd can be gone. John Ross is gone unless they pick up his fifth-year option. Like, he's gone. Who else is not going to be the guy? And he's got the skill set that's closest to A.J. Green that's different from everybody else on that depth chart right now. So – and in, in a key point in all this, and you keep saying it, and I'm going to say it again, the first pick in the second round – when the Raiders took back-to-back wide receivers, that was like luxury, right? Oh, hell, Lynn Bowden's there. We'll take him. Brian Edwards is there. We'll take him, too. 
the Bengals had all night <laughs> to think about what they were going to do to start the second round of the draft. They didn't go line. They didn't go defense. They said, we need to get our franchise quarterback his number one wide receiver. Like, that's what they did. And if you think it was anything other than that, other than that, you're mistaken. It wasn't, oh, he's the best player available or, you know, they had all damn night. They could have traded. They could have went a different direction. They went T Higgins because they know he is going to be tethered to Joe Burrow for at least four years and probably longer than that. Mark my word, T Higgins is going to return very well in dynasty and in fantasy. So I'm all aboard Higgins. Um, Listen, we didn't, there was no prep work done for this show. I don't know who you like and who you don't like, but I'm going to tell you who I don't like, and that's Chase Claypool. I'm not a big fan of Claypool, the wide receiver, and some reports that came out today is that's where they intend to play him at. Where are you at with Claypool and his fantasy value? It scares the bejesus out of me that they want to play him outside. I was really hoping, and you try to like read the tea leaves and say, okay, what are contracts? What do the team builds look like? And the Steelers are like in this weird kind of purgatory, like what do they do with and what do they do with the receivers? Because Juju's coming up on a contract year. And I'm like, well, Juju can actually win because he can. He can win on the outside. So I'm like, okay, is Claypool – because – why do they take Claypool? Okay, is it is it a Juju replacement? Are they going to make this dude a big slot, put Juju outside, and let him roll in an AB-esque role? Like, not exactly that way, but as an outside wide receiver. And now everything's coming out that they're going to put Claypool outside? Yeah. I don't think that dude is refined enough as a route runner. His release is everything. Like, there was all this stuff about Dynasty people talking about, does he go and move to tight end? And you hear these rumblings, and that doesn't happen. And now we're hearing, like, the Steelers are going to, what, put him in this Martavius Bryant, like, kind of field stretcher, play outside. I just don't think that that dude has the skill set to yeah. win outside and be that guy and be successful at it. And people look at his athletics, and they're like, okay, well, I mean, tell me why not. And I'm like, have you watched his film? Yeah. Did you watch what he did like in previous years? Like, I don't, I just don't see it, Ray. Like, yeah, I've fool me on it because I'm not, I'm not seeing it, man. Yeah, I've tried. I, I really tried to look at that, you know, with an unbiased lens. But I don't think he's better than Miles Blinken from last year as a wide nope. receiver. You know, I don't think he's better than him. I, it doesn't matter what we think, right? Like, I really do think like an H back you know, move tight end, flex tight end. And the thing is, you don't have to be in line to be a tight end. You know what I mean? You could flex them out. You could do whatever the case may be. I think that would be a much better role for Claypool. They still have James Washington. Then you have Deontay Johnson and somebody's not going to be there, whether that's, that's Juju or James Washington, somebody is out of the door. Um, just not a big fan of, I like bigger wide receivers. T Higgins is six four two fifteen. But he wins with release. He has good separation off of the line of scrimmage. I've seen him win outside and in the slot. I just, I'm, I'm not there with Claypool. I know he has the draft capital, and I know the argument uh, for Claypool is we'll look at what Pittsburgh's done with wide receivers in the past. If I'm wrong on Claypool, I'm wrong, but I'm going to pass uh, on that player. And his ADP right now is, I think it's like the third round. So even with that second round draft capital, I'm not, people aren't, it seems like people aren't really buying into it. Who I am buying though is Michael Pittman Jr. in Indianapolis. 
big fan of his game. I am a USC Trojans fan. But because I am, I'm as critical on those players as anybody else out there. And I think he landed in a really good spot to develop and eventually replace or have an opportunity to replace T.Y. Hilton as the number one in Indy with Jonathan Taylor with a good offensive line and, again, a competent front office. I love the move they made by going after Jacob Eason. Whatever we think about him, he's going to have a shot because Brissett's not going to be back. Phillip Rivers probably won't be back after this year. So we'll probably get a chance to see if Eason can do it or not. Um, some other wide receivers that hit some spots. Uh, Gandy Golden, I know a lot of people are talking about him in Washington. I don't think he's beating out Kelvin Harmon. I don't think he's going to beat out Steven Sims. So at best case scenario, for me, you're looking at a wide receiver four, uh, deeper plays. I think KJ Hill in the seventh round, the Los Angeles chargers. I think he's going to slot, find a slot work, you know, uh, with San Diego or with Los Angeles, uh, Van Jefferson. I want to get to Van Jefferson, uh, because you talked about him when you were uh, talking discussing Cam Akers, I was shocked. I was shocked that he went that high. I was shocked that the Rams took him in the second. What are your thoughts on Van? Or you can kind of hit on a couple of the players that I talked about uh, through that long soliloquy there. I'm not blown away by Van, but I think that he's going to be a slot wide receiver. And I think that the Rams look at him as part of the key of them going back to more 11. So if you're telling me that the slot wide receiver, which we've seen, Cup, Cup is going to be a free agent pretty soon. I think not next year, maybe the year after that, or hell, it might be next year. I think that Van Jefferson is going to have a role in this offense. I'm not a, I just, Reynolds is not a thing for me. Like he's not efficient. I think that people, the, the, the auto knee jerk reflex there was as soon as they got rid of cooks, it was like, Oh, Reynolds is going to be a, Reynolds is not going to be a thing. I did that. I did that. I know he's not, he's not, <laughs> don't, don't go by Josh Reynolds. He's not going to be a thing. Like, I, so as far as other wide receivers, um, I like Quintez Cephas, man. I like that 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 landing spot for him. I know his forty was kind of rough, but I'm not a huge huge believer in forty times for wide receivers. Like I know his is pretty nasty, but yeah. Marvin Jones is probably not back for the Lions if Stafford's still there. He's a guy that we've seen him ball out and have good games versus good quarter corners. Like he had a good game versus Stingy, like versus LSU, yep. Stingley. Yep. And best so freshman I, cornerback in the nation, one of the best corners yep. in the nation, period. I think that he could absolutely outplay a lot of what people are thinking about him. I like KJ Hill call, man. And I'm going to, I wasn't a huge, huge KJ Hill fan. And I'm going to lean a little bit on some Ohio State love here. Can we give some love and some credence to how polished these wide receivers are coming out? Like yeah. what Brian Hartline is doing there? Like yeah. these guys are blowing the doors off every single year. Like Terry McLaurin wasn't this ballyhooed prospect that like came out and he balled out in the league. Like these receivers are winning their releases. They're winning off the line. And I think that we need to sit here and kind of shine the light a little bit on these Ohio state guys. So a guy like KJ Hill that falls he's got to be a guy that I'm interested in. Like absolutely yeah. has to, like, I think his skill set translate. And I think that it's a good landing spot for him as well, because Keenan Allen's not long for the chargers. Like, I don't know if they're going to pay that dude after this year. And it's Mike Williams. So KJ Hill could like easily walk into like a ton of targets next year. 
And, and it's, it's all relative to cost, right? What are you paying for KJ Hill? I've done three rookie drafts since the, since the draft was over and he's gone in the fourth or undrafted. Fourth. Yeah. yeah you're playing late, late fourth. I've seen him slip to the early fifth and some of mine, like, yeah, like what's the guys that are not obsessed with it. Like we are, like I've seen him going in the top of the fifth. Yeah. What's the heart? I don't, we, we don't hate players. We hate player costs and that fourth, fifth round, potentially waiver wire. Why not take a shot on a, on a player like a KJ Hill, like a you know a player like you know Benjamin who went in the seventh round? Who cares? I mean, it, it costs you a fourth round pick anyway. So I'm completely with you, man. I think that these wide receivers, you know, I, and we didn't even talk about Jefferson and Rager. Those are premier landing spots. You know what I mean? Yeah, we don't we don't have to discuss them. Those guys are locked and loaded first round rookie draft picks. Justin Jefferson is a stud. Jalen Rager is going to be a stud for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm not going to stop this. I'm not going to end this wide receiver conversation without talking about Green Bay because they completely ignored the wide receiver position. But because they did, I know people think it's a joke. I know people think it's a joke. But it, it, it seems to me, reading the tea leaves, that they really believe that Alan Lazard could be something. Whether he, he will or won't, he had 477 uh, receiving yards last year. He was making plays down the field. And it seemed like as the season went on, he was the guy that Aaron Rodgers, you know, of the number twos trusted to be on the field with Devontae Adams. I'm not telling you to go out there and spend second round picks to go try and trade for him. All I'm saying is if you have Alan Lazard on your team, hold him tight and just wait for things to play out uh, unless you get a, a really good offer for him. If someone offers you a second form, take it. But I don't think he's that bad. I, I really don't think he's that bad of a wide receiver. No, I don't think he's that bad. I wouldn't trade for him, but if you got him, hold him, hold on yeah. for dear life. Like somebody is going to emerge as some type of like, whether it's a wide receiver three, like you're talking about can he be a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, a guy that you can play when other people go down because of injuries and get decent, like flex worthy production out of him in a dynasty roster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I'm, I'm here for that. Like, yep. because you get in the middle of the, of the season, you get to week 12 and like half your roster is, is, uh, is yeah. doubtful or might not play. And you're like, maybe there ain't nothing out there on that waiver wire. Like there's nothing that's coming to save you. Yeah. Alan yep. Lazard is a guy that could absolutely draw some targets because MBS is not going to be a thing. They no. buried him last no. year. He's I not. think that you're looking at it's either Lazard or Sternberger is going to pop up there with some targets this year. Yeah. And how much, considering what the Packers did in the draft, I mean, oh, sweet God in heaven. They they I, took I don't know what I don't know what they I, did. I don't, I don't have a clue. Like they, I, took, oh, they I, took the they took the fullback oh. tight end out of Cincinnati, uh Hosiah uh, DeGuar. They took him. Yeah, H back dude in the third round. In yeah. in one of the deepest wide receiver drafts that we've seen in how many years, Ray? And in the it's, third round, yeah. you could have gone and got yourself a guy that's gonna at least compete. Brian Edwards. <laughs> Brian <Yes>. Edwards. <laughs> Can win on the outside. Brian Edwards would have been an amazing fit there. Would have been a oh, great God. fit in Green Bay. And they go and get an H-back. H-back. They get a tight end, baby. Like, that's what they're going to do. Because they need somebody to block for A.J. Dillon and his LeGarrette oh, Blunt running style. Like, that's yeah. what needs to happen, dude. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about a lot of running backs. talked about receivers. We're not diving into tight ends. We're not doing it. 
wait until 2021. Not doing it. Quarterbacks, it's the it's the big three. It's Tua, it's Herbert, it's Burrow. You've got Jordan Love. Jalen Hurts, damn, I hate that he landed in Philly, but that's where he landed, man. God, do I get Jalen Hurts. And you took him in that league. I'm, uh, You know, I was ready to pay you a lot for him uh, in the league we're in with Elliot Chris, but uh, yeah, uh, that kind of sucks. But we don't need to talk about tight ends. They stink. Uh, if I was going to take a flyer on one, Give me the guy tethered to Drew Brees in New Orleans, Adam Troutman. I, I, I liked him from Dayton. I think he's got some upside. You got a couple of guys that New England took. Um, outside of that, the kid that Bryson Hopkins that landed in L.A. is buried behind Higby. I want no part of him. Hunter Bryant in Detroit. They've got T.J. Hawkinson. It's just we don't need to spend any time there. So, Derek, before we, before we close it out, any rookie wide receivers – or running backs that we didn't touch on that you absolutely love that you want to give some love to right now. Let the, let the viewers kind of hear your thoughts on them. Anybody we didn't cover that you just like, we got to hit on this guy. Man, I loved him, but uh, my problem with all the UDFAs is that they landed in horrible spots. I was a huge, huge fan of Rico Dowdle. I loved his tape. I felt like injuries was the only reason that dude, he has the talent to be like, he could have been a third round running back late fourth. Like, I think that if he would have had the, the injuries wouldn't have been an issue. I think that the dude checks a lot of boxes and he landed on Dallas. But if you're looking for a guy that you want to stash on your taxi squad, and if he doesn't stick with Dallas, could he land somewhere and be a thing like be the guy? Man, I'm telling you stash him. I love the talent, man. I think that he could play in the water. He could play in the pass game too. He's a guy that I'm going to have a lot of shares of, and I'm going to be hiding in a lot of places. Um, for wide receivers, man, it, I mean, we hit on a lot of the big guys. I think that um, other guys that have you really taken shots, I think that uh, we're looking at you, – you got to go with offenses and looking at, like, hunting for good guys and good offenses. I think yeah. that Devin DuVernay could be worth a shot because – if they're going to spread guys out, the speed plays, we've seen it all day. Now, is he going to be a guy that's probably going to be a high-volume guy moving forward with Baltimore? Probably not. But can he be a guy, if you're in a best ball, like dynasty yeah. format, like next year, like Steed's gone, we see some other guys pop off? Yeah, I got, I got some interest there. Yeah, and I didn't hit on one of my uh... – Favorite kind of running back landing spots was uh, Anthony McFarland in Pittsburgh. Really like mm-hmm. that fit for uh, the A train. Uh, I, I think that, you know, he's got an opportunity to probably be the RB2 sooner rather than later. Jalen Samuels ain't it. Benny Snell ain't it. And James Conner can't stay healthy. So I think Anthony McFarland brings some pop to that offense. And we've got to see how Ben Roethlisberger comes back. I, I don't know. You know, Big Ben is looking husky. He's looking grizzly out here in these uh, coronavirus streets. But, Derek, man, I appreciate you stopping by the station, man, talking to the good folks, man. We're really – we're growing here, and I want to get more quality guests like you on to just kind of share our thoughts, man, because that's what the people want to hear. The people just want to know, you know, what do you think about these landing spots, these locations, these, these rookies? Where do we take them? Where do we rank them? All that good stuff. So I really, truly appreciate you taking time time out of your day, man, during this, these crazy times, man. We've got families, we've got kids, we've got wives, we've got girlfriends, we've got boyfriends, we've got all this stuff, but you made some time for the good people of Destination Debbie, man. So one more time, tell the folks where you're at, where they can find you if they want to check you out, man. 
Yeah, hit me up on Twitter at Debro underscore FFB, man. I mean, I'm anywhere, everywhere. People want to listen to my voice or can deal with it, put it that way. But thank you for having me, Ray. This was an absolute blast, dude. I mean, we're always in the DMs, like chatting it back up and forth. And a lot of the – like players we ain't even talked about, we see eye to eye (laughs) on stuff. So I really love this. I think this was a blast. I think we just blew through a ton of players. Yeah. And, man, I'm excited, man. We got to do this again. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't rip me in the comments. I am not time stamping this one. We talked about too many damn players. Just rewind it. Watch it again. I promise you it won't hurt you, but I appreciate y'all dropping by today, checking out this content, man. You know we're bringing you more heat, more gas. Destination, Debbie. Ray GQ. Stay tuned. We're out of this beast.